The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message.
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Holy Hianda Bozaha. Oh, my Father, we pray one for another this morning. God of heaven, make out the heavens and the earth. We come before your presence. In the name of Jesus, your word says we should bear one another's burdens. Let's begin to say thank you to the Lord for answered prayers. Father, we thank you because it's the confidence that we have. That when we pray, you hear us. And because you've heard us, we have that which we have requested of you. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We adore you, Jesus. We will worship the Lamb of glory. We will worship the King of kings. We will worship the Lamb of glory. We will worship. We will worship the King. We will ask the name of the Lamb. We bless the name of the Lamb of 
thank you for joining us together to yourself again. We thank you for January, for February, for March, for April, for May, for June, for July, for August, for September, for October, for November. Here we are in December, the final Sunday of this year. We are saying thank you to our Lord and our Maker. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Every life present in this place today, everyone join us over the internet, we ask that you do that which eyes have not seen in our lives, do that which ears have not heard, do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. Let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. A few things before we um, uh, get into, into the word. Number one, we will have tribe this Wednesday, and we will continue in our teaching, the biblical bad babes. Um, on, on Christmas Day, we, we, we had a surprise, which we <laughs> gave, which was fantastic. I mean, we gave folks um, an envelope to go and, and, and change their life. And we, we are hearing amazing stories. Um, how did it go? How was your experience? Great. Awesome. Um, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you think you have a... If you don't know what we are talking about, don't worry. Okay? If you think you, you have a fantastic story, please let us hear the story and, um, and we share it. Okay? On the watch night service, we, we did say that we should come fasting um, for the watch night service, which means that your dinner after tribe will be your last meal in 2015. Then you break in 2016. If you choose to join that program, that is. So we encourage us to come fasting um, because of um, all that we will do that day. Um, the sweet hour of prayer, which is the one hour prayer meeting we have from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Mondays and Fridays. We've been running for about six weeks now. The last one is going to be tomorrow morning, and that is um, going to be fantastic. So it's, 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 we're actually landing the plane tomorrow morning. Then we'll take a break and continue whenever we feel God wants us to. Today, we are in part six of our teaching, Christmas is Forgiving. Part six, and we are looking at his best for your best. His best gift for your best gift. His best gift for your best gift. We'll, we'll take that same scripture we read um, on Christmas Day, which is Matthew chapter 2. But this time around, we're looking at verses 9 and 10. Matthew 2, verses 9 and, and 10. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, worshipped the child, not the mother, worshipped Jesus, not hailing Mary, worshipped Christ. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. And, and on Christmas Day, we explained the significance of, of gold, frankincense, and and made. But, but today, we are looking at the fact that 
these wise men came and they bowed to Jesus. They worshipped him. And it is important because they, it, it, it would look ridiculous for grown men to bow down and prostrate before a baby. It will look ridiculous. And in, in fact, depending on the school of thought, some, some school of thought says, oh, Jesus wasn't a baby, he was just a child because he was about two years old at the time because it took this, the wise men about two years to get to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, rather. And, and, and so if Jesus was two years old or thereabouts and the wise men are bowing to a two-year-old, that's even worse. Have you tried bowing to a two-year-old before? What, what do you think they will do? Try and bow down to a two-year-old. They'll whack your head. They can pee on your face. <laughs> they can slap your face. They can do many things to you. So it, 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 is, it is even more ridiculous to bow to a two-year-old. And these men came and they bowed down to Jesus. And God wants you to worship him and bow to him. God gave his best in Christ. He came for us and he demands for your best in life. Jesus died for you so that you can live for him. God expects your best because he gave his best. And in Psalm 95, Psalm 95 verse 6 and 7, the, the word of God says that we should come and let us, let us bow down. Let us worship. Let us kneel. Everybody say kneel. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over. We are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. I pray you listen in Jesus' name. The Hebrew word translated kneel, worship, bow down is the word um, shaka, don't worry about it. But the meaning is to prostrate for before God. And that word was used 170 times in scripture. I mean, that's a lot of times. The scripture admonishes us bow down, bow down, bow down, bow down. And if we check our lives, I mean, and the question is, the reason, rather, why you, we don't bow to God or kneel before God is, is because we really are oblivious of the holiness of God. When we see God, when we get a glimpse of God, when we have some form of genuine understanding of God, it brings us to our knees. The fact that we struggle to kneel before God, either in private or in public, is proof that we really don't appreciate His holiness. When Moses said to God, let me see you. And God says, no man can see me and live. I am so awesome that if you see me, you just, mommy, you die. You go. You R.I.P. And, you know, Moses just saw God's backside and he was glowing for days and days and weeks. The high priest, when they want to go into the Holy of Holies back in the day, you know, the, the temple where we come to worship, this time that all of us have come and we are beholding God's 
glory, praise the name of the Lord, with, with no veil. Back in the day, it was not like that. When you come to the temple, there are three compartments. There's the outer court, you know, which everybody can come. Then there's the holy place, which certain types of priests can access. Then there is the most holy place, or the holy of holies, which is where the high priest alone can access and once a year. And when he goes to the holy of holies, where God is, they, they usually would tie a rope on his ankle. And on that rope, we have a bell. And they will allow him to go. And as he's going, they'll be releasing the rope. Once he enters the Holy of Holies, intermittently, they will pull, tuck that rope. The bell will sound, are you alive? If he's alive, he will shake his leg. I am still alive. Why? Because if he enters unworthily, he's gone. They will have to pull him out. Then they will call the next high priest, the person that is next. Imagine you are the one that is next. <laughs> you just pulled out a dead man and you are going into the Holy How terrible that would be. But you see, I'm here to say to you that because we are in the New Testament, God's holiness has not reduced. The fact that we are in the New Testament, God's greatness has not reduced. It hasn't. If you get a glimpse of it, you go, it, it drives you to your knees. You go on your knees. I mean, nobody tells you. It's, it's, it's spontaneous. There's this song that says, if I, if, I, if, I be, if, I, if I see you, Jesus, what will I do? Will I be able to sing? Will I fall on my knees? What's that song? Okay. <laughs> or will I? <laughs> God's beauty. Causes her knees to give way. Causes us to crumble before his presence. And based on who he is and what he has done, the most reasonable thing to do is to kneel before him. I mean, the most, it's the most, based on who God is, the most logical thing to do is to kneel before him. Based on who he is, the most sensible thing to do is to kneel before him. It's, it's senseless. Not to kneel before him. It's illogical. Based on who God is, based on how awesome God is, the logical thing to do is to kneel. In fact, if you check the Bible, God, there's no way in scripture that God himself said, bow before me. God says, don't bow before other gods. But he didn't say bow before me. As in what? As in kneel. No. Why? Why didn't he say that? Why didn't he say that? Why didn't he say that? Simple. Because he knows that that's the natural thing to do. If you, if you see me, you will what? You will bow. I mean, no one will tell you, you will bow. I mean, if you check, even the angels, if every time an angel is revealed in scripture to a human being, one of the first things they say is fear not. One of the first things they say. Fear not. When an angel appeared to Mary, fear not. When an angel appeared to John, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Why do they say fear not? Because they are so terrible. Now imagine God himself. The reason we don't bow is because we don't know. Jesus, no biggie man. Jesus, no biggie man. We don't know I'm collapsible, boy. Jesus, no biggie man. 
And, 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 and it's, it's, it's so profound because when we, we can't fully know him, obviously. But when we, when we get some knowledge of God, our arrogance fades away. Humility is actually seeing God for who he is. Isaiah saw God and said, ha, cursed is me. I mean, woe is me. Who am I? This guy has been cursing everybody else before then. But he saw God say, ah, I am undone. I'm a person of unclean lips. So God's best demands our best. God's best demands our best. And there are many things that can be done for you. Many things, including prayer. Sometimes, some form of prayer can be done for you. Intercession. People can intercede on your behalf. But nobody can kneel before God on your behalf. Nobody can worship God for you. I mean, you cannot outsource worship. Worship is one thing that you have to do for yourself. The, the wise men were wealthy, obviously. They had gold. They had, I mean, all sorts of, they, they had a treasure chest. They could have sent their emissaries. They, they could have sent servants. They could have sent people. But they came by themselves. They could have just sent their gifts, but they came by themselves. And this is so profound. God expects us to come. Yes, we can send our tithes and our offerings online. Do you know that? Without coming to church. But God wants you to come and worship. Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, you know, when, when you read the, the book when, when God was talking about the tithes, it, was, it says, bring the tithes to the house. God did not say, send the tithes to the house. Okay, yes, first of all, but I've paid it online. But still come as a wise man and bow to him. Because he wants you more than he wants anything you have. Praise the name of the Lord. So when it comes to kneeling before God, it cannot be delegated. You cannot delegate your worship. You can't. You have to come and kneel before God. And we kneel for several reasons. We kneel for several reasons. We're going to look at three. We kneel, you know, my wife was telling me, oh, we kneel in gratitude. We kneel, yeah, we kneel for many things. If we begin to look at everything, I think we'll start another series. <laughs> Kneeling. Titled Kneeling. But today we're looking at three. The first is this, we kneel in pursuit. We kneel in pursuit. We kneel in pursuit. In Mark chapter 10 from verse 17, we kneel in pursuit. The scripture says, I mean, like I was saying in the first service, I, I, I didn't see the scriptures like this before now, honestly. And it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. And the man knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, I've preached from this passage of scripture before. I've, I've preached how Jesus says, oh, no one is good but God. And, you know, honor your father and your mother. Don't steal, don't kill. And the man says, I've done everything since I was a child. And Jesus says, oh, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything and follow me. And, and the man was troubled, you know, and all that. But I, I missed the part that the man came and he, he knelt down. 
before Jesus. And that is so profound because this man came and knelt in pursuit of Jesus. He knelt in pursuit. And he wasn't a believer. So we have people that are not yet believers, but they are, God is saying they are free to kneel in pursuit. And we are not to judge them. We are not to say, why are you kneeling down? You just came back from Bear Palo. You just came from the club. You just, why are you kneeling down to worship God? Hypocrite. No, 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 no. It's not our business. Praise the name of the Lord. There are people that kneel in pursuit. Even though they don't know God yet. But they'll find him. In Jesus' name. And because God never turns back anybody that comes to him sincerely. He doesn't. God never says, Jesus never says to anyone, go back, go back. He doesn't. But we that we are believers, also we kneel in pursuit because we want more of God. Which is why we have sweet half prayer. We, 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 we wait on God because we want more of God. We need more of God. We desire more of God. We hunger for more of God. We kneel. In pursuit. But, and when we don't kneel, when we are unable to kneel, we need to ask ourselves, why don't I kneel? You need to ask yourself, why don't you kneel? Why are you, why do you struggle to kneel before God in private or in public? Why do you struggle? Why is it, why is it an issue for you to kneel before your maker in private or in public? Is it because of arthritis? Some people have a medical condition. They, they have, they, their knees have issues. They can't kneel. Is that why? Tell yourself the truth. Why can't I kneel? Why can't I kneel? We are having family devotion. Why can't I kneel before God? Why must I be macho before God? Why? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself, why? Why can't I kneel? Why do I struggle to kneel before God? Is it because, Pastor, this dress I'm wearing is so expensive? Do you really expect me to, to kneel with this dress? Before God? Who, can God be that important? That you expect me to, to ruin my, my dress for him? Why don't I kneel? You need to ask yourself, why don't I kneel? Why don't I kneel? Or is it because I am, I am a big boy? Or I'm a big girl? I'm arrogant. Who is God, by the way, that I should kneel before him? I mean, is he, is he bigger than me? Why, why should I kneel before him? Is he greater than I am? Why should I kneel before him? Did he make me? Why should I kneel before him? Ask yourself, why do I struggle to kneel before God? Do I struggle to kneel before God because I'm busy judging other people? Uh, see, they are leaning, they are hypocrites. So you don't know where they where. What? How is that your business? Do I struggle to kneel because I'm busy judging everybody else that is kneeling down? This woman, Sha, before they say, Jesus, she's on her knees. Her own is too much. You come with your friend to church, you say to your friend, Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. She's going to, she's going to begin to cry now. She's going to begin to cry now. 
Is that why you don't kneel? <laughs> you are the accuser of the brethren. Is that why you don't kneel? Why? Why don't I kneel? Ask yourself, why is it a big deal? Why do I struggle to kneel? Why do I struggle to kneel down before God? Why do I struggle to kneel down? You know one of the you know one of my most one of the most beautiful things that has happened to me in my life. I tell you, one of the most beautiful things that have happened to me in my life ever is maybe there's worship going on. Maybe at home, maybe in church. And I go on my knees. And as I go on my knees, my daughter goes on her knees. Nobody told her to do it. Nobody. Why? Because she sees me doing it by my bedside. So she comes beside me and she, she kneels down. She doesn't know what I'm, I'm praying in tongues. She doesn't know, but she's there. Why don't you kneel before God? What, why are you so, what's so, what's so great about you? I know you are great. Don't get me wrong. But he's greater than you are. <laughs> and the lesser must bow to the greater. Why don't you kneel before God? Why? What's the issue? Oh, oh, is it because they're going to laugh at me? They will say I'm a fanatic. So the opinions of men is now more important than the pleasure of God. What men think is now more important than what God says or what God thinks. Why don't I kneel? I'm afraid of men. I'm afraid of men. And I don't honor God. Why don't I kneel? You need to ask yourself, why don't I kneel? Why don't I kneel before God? I don't want to be a hypocrite. Why don't I kneel before God? You need to wrestle with that because the word of God says, draw near unto him and he will what? He will draw near unto, unto you. You are as close to God as you want to be. That's what that scripture is saying. In other, in other words, you are as close to God as you want to be. You know, nobody, he goes, oh, Pastor, you just have an amazing relationship with God. I say, thank God, you can have a better one too. Why? Because you are as close to God as you want to be. You, you draw near to God and he will draw near unto you. How far do you want to go? You write the check. You write the check. And what many of us don't realize is that the challenges we are facing, the turbulence in our lives is actually designed to bring us to our knees before Christ. We don't realize. Someone says that when life gives you more than you can stand, kneel. When life gives you more than you can stand, Neil, I think it's, it's very um, apt, <laughs> very witty. When life gives you more than you can stand, kneel. When you kneel, you discover that you, <laughs> you are free. You are soaring. You are, you are free. We kneel in pursuit. You kneel in pursuit. You come before God. I mean, it's worship. It's just so beautiful. You come before God, you kneel before God, 
And it should lead to repentance. But many times, we don't. We don't. But when we kneel before God, like Peter did, we kneel in repentance. The goodness of God drives us to our knees. And I can tell you, time and time and time again, when I have actually deserved to be slapped, and God chooses not to slap me, instead he blessed me, I went on my knees and I repented (laughs) quickly. Now my point is this. There are some people, they will take God's blessing for granted. They will take, instead of them to see it as God's kindness that leads to repentance, they take it as as authentication of their bad behavior. And that's what Paul was was saying here in in Romans 2, verse 4. I know it's not in my text, but I'm going to read anyway from the NLT. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Romans 2, 4. It says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? He says, can't you see that God is being kind so that you can turn around? Which was what happens to Peter. He saw the kindness of Jesus. Jesus did not have to be kind. But he saw the kindness of Jesus. He saw Jesus did not have to promote Peter. Peter was going home a sad man. He didn't have food for his family. He, he didn't know if he had a troublesome wife. He didn't know if his wife was going to give him trouble that night. Hey, you have gone. You have gone to fish. You have brought nothing to this house. He didn't know. Maybe he had a troublesome mother-in-law. Is this how you have been punishing my daughter? You can't even provide. He didn't know because he had a mother-in-law. We don't know if she was troublesome. But she was sick and Jesus healed her. We didn't know what Peter was going to face. But Jesus was kind to Peter. And because of Jesus' kindness, Peter said, you know what? I'm going to kneel in repentance. I'm going to kneel in repentance. Jesus never turns away anybody that comes to him in repentance. Never. There's no one that comes to Jesus that turns away. They say, oh, your sin is too big. Oh, you, 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 are, you are too bad. No, no, there's nothing like that. When you come to Jesus, regardless of what you're saying, Pastor, you don't, know, you don't know what I've done. Don't worry. There are worse people than you. And they found mercy. And you will find mercy also. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But the challenge we have is that we do a lot of confession, but we hardly repent. We do a lot of confession, but we hardly repent. Oh, God, I'm sorry for doing A. Then we go and we do A. Then we come and say, God, we are sorry for doing A. Then we go back and we do A. Then we come and say, but God, you said if you confess our sins, you forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness. I confess for doing A. Then we go back and we do A. You're only making a mockery of yourself. God is not mocked. Then you, then you confess, oh, God, I'm sorry for doing A. Then you go back and you do A. You say, but God, you said to Peter you should, that Peter should forgive his, his brother 40, seven, seven times, 70 times. That's 490 times in a day. If you want us to do that, you, you are God now. I confess. So you have to forgive me. Because it's up to 470 times in one day. 
I only slept with him three times a day. It's not the fun. So you forgive me. So I come back and I do A. I go back and I say, forgive me. I come back and I do A. That's the problem. We, we do a lot of confession, but we, we never really repent. We never really go on our knees and repent. We never really go on our knees and cry to Jesus for mercy. We, we just confess. Is anything wrong with confession? No, confession is actually good. Confession is actually the first step in repentance. It's the it's, it's, it's acknowledgement that sin exists. It is important that we confess. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us. He that covers his sins will not prosper. But he that confesses, that's the first step of repentance, and forsakes, we have mercy. That's repentance. Repentance is confession and forsaking. We'll have mercy. We'll have mercy. So to repent is to change your mind. It's just change the direction. It's to, it's to turn around. So we, someone, did, I mean, done something that was really horrible, you know, and, and the person said to me, but pastor, I keep going back. I keep going back. I keep going back. And I said to the person, that the reason you keep going back is that you've never really repented. And I said, really? He says, yes, you've just been confessing. He says, okay, so how do I repent? So I, I told him, he says, okay, can you help me? Let's lead me in the prayer. You know, he was expecting me to say, Father, Father, I come today, I come today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I confess, I confess my sins, my sins. In Jesus' name, oh, I'm cleansed. And you go back. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, go to the altar. The church is open. Go there, stay there. Go on your knees, stay there. Until God speaks to you. Until God says you are fine. Says, hey, we got up to me. I said, they will. They stayed there. Went there. One hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. He's there. He slept. He woke up. He's there. <laughs> but eventually, God spoke to him. Now, the, the, the point is that he said he got up that the compulsion is as if he was, he was free from the thing. It was like he was a slave. Right now, he was free. He could look at the same temptation in the face and say, no, I'm not doing. But then he couldn't. What was the difference? He didn't have power over sin because he didn't repent. Am I saying repentance must take four hours? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's the contriteness of heart usually is not present. So what that going to the altar did for him is that he created contriteness. He, he, you know, David says that a, a contrite and a broken spirit you will not despise. He, he got to the place where he actually became contrite. And then, you know, the Bible says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. He got to the place where he got the godly sorrow. Where he was really sorrowful for his sins. Then, repentance could happen. Otherwise, it's just confession. It's just confession. As this year comes to an end, we need to say, Lord, I've made some mistakes this year. Have mercy upon me. We need to go on our knees and say, Lord, I kneel in repentance. I'm sorry. I repent today of this transgression. And the truth is that when we kneel before Christ, we can stand before anyone and anything. Kneeling before Christ empowers us, you and I, to stand before anything and anyone. Why? Because you are free. 
You're free. You're free. You can face any demon. You can face any power. You can face any spirit. You can go to your village. You can, they can, they, if they like, let them threaten you without ever, it doesn't matter to you. Why? Because you are free. You are free in Christ indeed. When you kneel before God, you don't bow to any idol. You know, I'm a student of church history. Follow church history. Read anything I can lay my hands on in church history. From Pentecost till date. In the different countries, what has happened, how churches rise and fall, everything. And what's happening in Nigeria is not new. It's not new. It's happened before in Rome. It's happened before. The first generation of Christians in this nation, that is the indigenous Christians in this nation, their tasks were, was, I would say it's easier than ours. <laughs> because theirs, they just needed to confront the idols. It's not just, but that's what they needed to do. So the line was drawn. Is that you are with Christ or you are not with Christ? So pe- people that were saved were saved and they were turning their backs on the old ways. They were turning their backs on idols. What we have today is, 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 is a, like a polytheistic setting. When people still want to go to a shrine and still want to come to church, and we have priests saying, it's fine. God does not reject Aju. I've heard that before. <laughs> and we have prayer houses. People that masquerade as men of God. So people go to different places. And the bottom line is, they have a God that they can control. They have a God that, that is like they're like a talisman. It's like, it's like they demand what they want from the God. They don't have a God that is in control of them. So when you don't have a, when God is not in control of you, what you have is an idol. When God doesn't determine how you live your life, what you have is an idol. You can be praying and getting results. Why? Because what you have is like, it's like Santa Claus. It's like, it's like, you are the God. It must answer by fire. So you are the one that will tell it what to do. And it, it has to comply. But the God we serve is not a houseboy to any man. The God we serve is not subject to any man. He is God all by himself. If he doesn't determine how you live your life, he's not your God. So our challenge is so we have people that say, that, oh, but pastor, you know, this pastor says to me, it is well with me. And he knows that the life I'm living. And you are saying I should repent. Why should I repent when that man of God has blessed me? Why should I repent? And that's the problem we have. The challenge we have. But Jesus is committed to his church. So he has taken the church through different phases. And it will help us in Nigeria also. (laughs) Say amen. (laughs) In the mighty name of Jesus. 
So number one, we kneel in pursuit. Number two, we kneel in repentance. Number three, we kneel in submission. We kneel in submission. You know, one thing I love about our culture is that we have a culture of respect. We have the culture of honor. Largely, largely. In Nigeria, we have a culture where the, where the younger ones, those of us that are young, we respect the elders. We respect those that are older and older. You know, we have a culture where we give honor, you know, to whom honor is due. We have a culture where young people, we still, you know, kind of reverence older people. But it's not, it's not the same in, in the Western world at all. The Japanese also have a good culture of, in the, in the meeting, when a Japanese guy does a business meeting with you, he, he, he kind of, you know, bows, you know, in honor, you know, of the word that has transpired. The Muslim guy spreads his mat, goes and knocks his head down five times a day, bows to his Allah. But the Christian is struggling to bow to the almighty God. Something is wrong with that. Isn't, isn't there something wrong with that immediately? And, in fact, the American altogether, is re- the, the American child is trained to be rebellious. The, the system is, is trained to be rebellious. So, what we have is huge. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It's very huge. The culture of, of respect, I know it's been eroded, I know. I know, it's been really eroded. But we still have some glimpses of it. And we need to nurture it. You know? I'll, I'll ask them to put up a picture of um, the Prime Minister of um, Britain. He's standing, reading newspaper. Isn't this great leadership? I mean, this is fantastic. I, I think we should clap for him. <laughs> Some people say, oh, he did it for sure. He did it for whatever. Do you know how the Prime Minister of England, do you know how they resign? They take an official car, their official car, that has two escorts, drives them to Buckingham Palace. They tender their resignation to the Queen, and they take tube home. That's how they resign from the office. Isn't that fantastic? Shouldn't we have that in this nation? <laughs> Just take Molue home. <laughs> you say, hey, now you, now you be this. <laughs> but that is worthy of emulation. Really, really worthy of emulation. But I look at this picture with another twist. I say to myself, if I'm the one sitting down, and my president is standing up. If my grandmother is in that place, she's going to land me a slap. She says, don't you have home training? <laughs> you should get up for your prime minister to sit down. He, he chooses to stand up. He shows he's a great guy. Do you understand? But you give honor to whom honor? Let me ask you. How many of you will tell your children to stand up for the... If Buari is in the, in the plane and... Let's say they're not a plane. Plane, they don't stand up. Is it Molue? You know? 
is standing up and I'm sitting down. So, Pastor, are you telling me if Buari is standing up and I'm sitting down that you stand up for him? Yes. But, but you, are, you, are, you are a pastor and he's not even saved. At least you don't know if he's saved. Are you, will you stand up for him? Yes. How many of you will tell your children to stand up? Let me see your hands up. Okay. So the rest of you won't. <laughs> you know, I will stand up for him. But why are you standing up for him? Because you give honor to whom honor is due. If your president is your president, president of the Lord. <laughs> Someone doesn't know if they should clap or not. But that's okay. And the culture we, we have, you see, it's, it's huge. It's a culture of submission. Jesus, if you look at Luke chapter 22, verse 41, Luke 22, 41, Jesus walked away. The Bible says, about the stone throw, Jesus himself knelt down and prayed. If Jesus could kneel down and pray. Ah. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He says, yet, this is profound, yet, I want what I want your will, rather, to be done, not mine. Many of us, we've had dreams this year. We had goals. By December, you wanted to be driving in a car that was floating in air. That was your goal. But that has not happened. We need to come to a place when we kneel in submission to God and just say to God, I need to God, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. We must have, we might have had aspirations. Oh, by now, I should have had triplets. By now, I should have had a wife. By now, I should have had a husband. By now, I should have, my business should have gone international. By now, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. But here you are. We need to learn to kneel in submission. And hand it over to God. Because when you actually hand it over to God, that's when things begin to happen. I mean, I was having a chat with someone recently, and, and he was saying to me, Pastor, how do you do it? How are you even able to cope with all this? Look at what I'm going through. And I said to him, I kneel down, I hand it over to God. When I'm done, when I get up, I don't carry it. I leave it there with God. <laughs> so I can go and play my video games. You know, if you have trouble, you can't play video games. <laughs> You'll be thinking of your trouble. <laughs> you are trying to solve everything. No, 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 no. I've gone to God and I've given him. So, when I'm coming up, I'm free. You know, the challenge with us, we go to God. Yes, we do. We pray, we give him. When we are going, we say, give me, give me, give me my thing. Give me my thing. You are struggling with him. Then you jack it off his hands and you carry it and you are going. No, 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 no. When you go to God, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your troubles to the Lord and I don't know the rest. <laughs> your trust in him. Take your troubles to the Lord and leave it there. Just leave it there. And it's beautiful. We submit to him, you leave it there. Needing to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. When you kneel to pray, many times 
In fact, all the time, that's what gives you the strength to stand. People around you will look at you and say, ah, with all you have gone through, by now you should have high blood pressure. By now you should have been hospitalized. But you will just smile. And you say that, it's not me. It's Jesus. I've given it to who? And he will take care of it. 2016, like I said in the first worship experience, we need to navigate it with prayer. We need to navigate it in the spirit. And many times, even in our relationships, some of us, all you need to do is throw in the towel. Just surrender. Just surrender. Husband and wife, you have been arguing since January. This is December. And you are still saying, I'm going to win this, this argument into the new year. Just leave it. Just what? Leave it. There's no trophy for whoever wins the argument. Let me tell you something. In a marriage, eh? Even if you win the argument and the other person loses the argument, you have lost. Nobody wins. So you're just throwing the towel. I say, you, you know that thing? You are right. Not that you are right. You are surrender. It may actually not be right, actually. So don't, I'm not saying that they must be right. But I'm not going to sweat this anymore. I'm not going to fight with you about this anymore. You want to keep snoring? Keep snoring. I won't fight you because you are snoring again. You know some people, they are, the, the fight they are having is because the guy is snoring. But we don't even know we are snoring. Do we? We are just, we are just sleeping. It is when you wake us. That's why we, you tell us. How do we know you are telling the truth? <laughs> but the point, the point is this: some things are not worth fighting for. Why do you win an argument and lose your relationship with your spouse? You win an argument, but you've lost your husband. You won the argument, but you've lost your wife. What's the point? What's the value of that? All you need to do is just let it go. As this year comes to an end, when we kneel before God, we'll be able to stand before any situation. So we kneel in pursuit. Number two, we kneel in repentance. Number three, we kneel in submission. As I draw the curtain, I need to let you into some little secret. And that is this. You can kneel now or you can kneel later. Everybody will kneel to Jesus. Eventually. Everybody. You can choose to kneel now or you can choose to kneel later. But everybody will kneel. So Pastor, you said everybody? Yes, everybody. When, we, when, when Jesus comes, everybody will, every eye will see every tongue we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians chapter 2 verse, verse 8, from verse 8 it says, but he, Jesus, humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should declare Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every day we bow. 
Every tongue we declare. The Queen of England is going to bow. Fela will be there bowing. Say, Pastor Fela again, yes. Abacha will be there on his knees. Yes, he will be. My grandmother will be there on her knees. I will be there on my knees. You will be there on your knees. We all will be there on our knees. The question is, will you be on the right side or on the left side? The people that bow willingly now will be on the right side. That is me, my grandmother, and, <laughs> and everybody else. And the people that don't bow willingly now will be on the left side. But everybody will bow. So you better start practicing it now. And start bowing to him. Why? Because he needs your best. Because he gave his best. He gave you his best. He needs your best. And your best is your all. Your best is your life. The wise men came and they bowed to Jesus. Let us go before God. Let us adore him. Just adore him. All heavens declare the glory of the glory of the risen that God has given you. You need to kneel in submission to God. For some of us, we are hungry for God. We need to kneel in pursuit of God. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of you. Yet there are some of us 
We need to need in repentance this morning. We need to say, Lord, I have drifted from you. I come today, Lord. I come and I repent, oh God of heaven. I repent before you, my Father. There are some people here, you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I'm kneeling in repentance. You are saying, I used to be born again, but I'm backsliding. Can you pray with me? Wherever you are, you don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you, wherever you are. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hands now, and I'll pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hands up, and I'll pray with you. If your online distractions are scrolling, keep the hands up. Keep it up. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Okay. Right there. Right there. God bless you. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Right there. Beside you. Right there. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hands up. Once you have the card, you can put it down. Put out the hand. Once you have the card. submission to you. As we kneel before you, my maker, our maker and our God, let every mountain before us crumble. As we get up from here, Lord, let every yoke of condemnation be destroyed. Let every yoke of guilt be destroyed, my Father. Let us get up in liberty of your spirit and of your light. As we get up from here, we get up triumphant. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen.